Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. You are listening to episode 83. I am so thrilled that you are joining us again to learn more about African history and also homeschooling or supplementing your child's education. We continue to bring you great content week after week. So please help us reach new listeners by telling a friend. Please tell other parents who may be thinking about homeschooling or want to teach their children something new about who they are and their heritage. Today's something new comes in the form of a question. And the question is, did you know that one of the largest waterfalls in the world is located in Africa? Hmm, yes. Victoria Falls is one of the largest waterfalls in Africa, and it is located in both Zambia and Zimbabwe. Today's African proverb is, dew does not wet you if you walk behind an elephant. And that proverb is from Ghana. Today, we will be talking to a very special guest, Shanita Williams. Shanita is the owner and CEO of She Training and Consulting, where she provides educational supportive services for students in grades K through 12. Additionally, providing training and workshops for parents, Shanita has homeschooled her kids since birth. She is a veteran homeschooler and has homeschooled for 13 years. She talked to us about different ways parents can work and also homeschool, how to choose the right curriculum, ways parents can present their portfolio with ease. So definitely listen up, tune in, tell a friend, and let us know how you are enjoying our episodes on the Cleverly Changing Podcast. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Yoruba Land. Oni. Oni. Oni means... Today, 
in Yoruba. I am one of your hosts, L. Cole, and we are in for an exciting show. I'm L, the mom of twins, and I homeschooled my kids for seven years. Miriam, tell everybody about who you are. Hey, y'all, I'm Miriam. I'm the mother and steward of four little people, my little corner of the earth here, and I have been homeschooling them. Um, what has it been like? five, seven years now, something like that. And we have a wonderful guest today. I'm going to give her the floor, Miss Shanita. Hello, everyone. I'm Shanita Williams. I am a 13-year homeschool veteran. I have three children, um, two of which I homeschooled from birth to eighth grade. And my last one is a rising third grader. Oh, third grade, multiplication and division. Sounds fun. <laughs> Absolutely. All day, every day. <laughs> so much fun. So let me ask you, what drove you to, to be a lifelong homeschooler since you started from birth on and they um, in the school system? So I, I did not start out that way. I am a social work therapist by training. Mm -hmm. And when um, my husband and I had our first child, because of my background in social work and in child protective service investigations, we made a decision my kids were not going to daycare. Um, just because of some of the things that I had had privy to, you know, be on the other side of. And I said, oh, it's a lot of stuff that goes on. So we made the decision for me to be home with them until they were school age. That's how it started. That's how it me started leaving my job or working part time. And then as you know, they were I was home with my first child, you know, doing what new moms do, right? Sesame Street, ABCs, one, mm -hmm. two, threes, colors, like we're just we're learning. And so you don't realize everybody homeschools at some point, right? soon as you have kids, everyone starts out homeschooling, but not everybody finishes. So when she got to be about four and she was an early reader um, and I just felt like, okay, she needs something else. I think she has like exhausted maybe what I am able to do. So I went to enroll her in the neighborhood pre-K program and they told me, sorry, you don't qualify. Um, it's a means tested program and you won't be able to get in. You'll have to wait a whole nother year when she turns five by whatever the age cutoff is. It was, I think at that time, it might've been October 15th. I think now it's like October 1st. Um, and I knew we could not stay home together a whole year with, with, without structure. She was too advanced for four and she needed something. Um, so it really, I guess, came down to the way the system works with mean tested programs, it, it wasn't affordable, you know, for me to pay out of pocket. Right. Um, private school was just not an option because we were already on a one and a part-time income. So it really became homeschool by default, like process of, of elimination, because mm -hmm. 
we didn't have money to put them in private school. So um, I began researching. I knew of one other person who homeschooled. Um, they were about 10 years or so older than me. So their kids were on the other side of the spectrum. So I kind of had a little small glimpse of what it might look like, but nothing like right it, tangibly, like when they're little, um, how to get that started. So in my research, I found um, some different programs called t- tutorials. Some were called co-ops mm-hmm. and I enrolled her at four years old and I said, oh, this, this is nice. This, this is what other people do. You know, sometimes you think you're the only one with these bright ideas to just shower your children with the best education possible. And you don't realize there's a whole slew of folks that got the same idea you do. Y'all just need to meet up. Um, <laughs> right. So that's really how it started. That's really how it started. Okay. Well, you mentioned the, the notion of community and finding your community. You So you just did a Google search and were able to find like-minded individuals to link up with. How, how did your daughter acclimate to that? And how did you acclimate to that? Did you find it to be a very welcoming and nurturing experience? So I'm just curious because. Yeah. So initially I was like queen free resource. Again, when you're on one income or part-time income, you scour things that are free or very low cost. So we did library story times. We were a part of um, the 4-H club. We went to the nature center. And so I started to see some of the same faces. Of course, when you're out there in the middle of the day, when typically most people who work outside the home are in an office, um, you start running into the same people. Put my name on a couple of listservs um, for like preschool, toddler type mommy play dates. And it was through enrolling in one of those listservs, I saw an advertisement for a tutorial program that was for K-4 through 12th grade, and they were having an information session. So I went to the information session, listened to it, and it took me a couple of times before I was like (laughs) sold. And then when I initially joined that uh, tutorial, it was easy for my daughter to acclimate. I think it was less easy for me to acclimate. And I say that because I think a lot of parents in the homeschool world they just automatically assumed I knew what to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I had so many questions. And the one resource that I mentioned earlier, I had, because again, her kids were at the high school level. It's like, oh, I don't want to bother her with these like phonics questions and preschool questions. So let me just kind of figure it out. So, I mean, it was welcoming in the sense of camaraderie with other adults, you know, adult interaction, but it wasn't, um, like a, to, like a, it wasn't like a training ground for parents to come learn. You just had to know what you're supposed to do. And so you just had to figure it out. And so it, that ended up me creating my business later to support and coach homeschool people. Cause I, I wanted somebody to come hold my hand and say, Hey, what are you doing for phonics? Do you need any help? Do you need any advice? Do you need some suggestions? This is what we did. This is what we did. So if you're not a very social parent, Mm-hmm. It might be hard for you to acclimate to those kind of tutorials if you're coming in as the newbie and not knowing anyone. So some of those people had been together for a few years, so they already had some pre-established relationships. But I think my personality is, well, I don't care. I'm, I need to ask you a question. Do you mind if I ask you a question? And like start pulling people to the side and kind of figure it out. But I know every parent doesn't have kind of that, um, you know, very vocal <laughs> personality. So I, I kind of had to make myself get acclimated by making friendships. 
And then when I made some friendships and I was more comfortable starting to ask them questions, well, what do you do for spelling? And what do you do for this? And, um, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a safe starting point. I'll say that it was a safe starting point. Okay. So with this um, newfound community, who's going to do that? Sorry. <laughs> the little ones. <laughs> um, when, when you were able to, you know, come out and, and talk to people and get more information is, and then you came up with the idea to start your, your coaching. How, how, I guess I want to say how easy was making that transition or did you, how far along were you in your homeschooling journey when you decided to break out and be a, a beacon to other newbies? Cause mm. it's very difficult. I agree when you first, yeah. come and you're not social. It's like, I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't realize you have to model that for your kids, right? If your kids yes. are not social, um, it probably was about maybe six or seven years. It wasn't immediate. What I end up doing just the way my personality is wired. I come into a situation and I learn and I joined the tutoring team or the leadership team to kind of see the inner workings of how things are going. And that gave me a better sense to encourage new parents who were coming into my classroom at the time. Um, after I think maybe three years, or probably after about three years, um, you know, one of the leadership persons in the tutorial at the time said, hey, you seem like a really committed mom. You're you know, always helping us out at recess. Would you be interested in tutoring? And when she told me it was a way to offset the, the tuition that I would have to pay, I was like, absolutely, I'd be interested, sure. <laughs> um, and then from then, as new parents came in, I kind of started to just treat them the way I wish I was treated. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for so many years, I ended up leaving that tutorial, starting another tutorial within the same organization, but becoming the director of another tutorial closer to where I live. And from then, it was really in my hands to coach and encourage and support and help train other parents of how to make this all work. And so and then from then it was like, okay, well, I might as well just do this for real, for real, like under my own <laughs> LLC and not under like a subsidiary. Um, and so that's, that's what birthed She Training and Consulting Educational Service. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, so as a entrepreneur, how are you managing the, the scales of education and academics with running your own business? Lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of coffee. Um, I think um, I get this question a lot. And when I you know, host a few workshops and training courses, that is a question people ask me. Can you work and homeschool too. Mm -hmm. And my question is, of course you can, but it really just depends. It depends on a few factors. It depends on the age of your children. Um, it depends on whether or not you have a support network, you know, people that can stand in, whether it's in-laws or parents or aunties, uncles, or another homeschool family that you're close with. Um, and it depends on the type of work that you do. Like in my field, my previous field of social work, where I had to see clients consistently, no, that's not something that I could do, right? <laughs> you know, and still homeschool. So what I was able to do is approach my job about 
transitioning into creating a new position, <clears throat> excuse me, that would allow me to be home and still work and provide, you know, adequate resources for the company. Um, so I think it really depends on a number of factors. I will say the younger your children are, it's probably more difficult. Um, because I have two high schoolers now and a third grader, I'm able to do a lot more things in business that I was not able to do when I had a first grader and a third grader. And, you know, it was just around the clock. Um, so it really just depends. And, you know, when people ask me that question, it's like, well, that's not a real answer. Well, it is a real answer, but there's so many moving parts and factors that will give you the final say well, whether you can do it or not. But I've done full time from home part-time in the office and from home and now running a business and still homeschooling. So it can be done, but I have a supportive spouse who sometimes can flex his schedule. When I was working in the office part-time in homeschooling, we had that schedule where he went to work 6.30 in the morning, got off at three, I would go in at four, work till 9.30. So he had a job that was flexible. My job was pretty flexible because it was a 24-hour shelter. So mm -hmm. it just depends. You know, if you have a banker job, Eh, that might not work out too well. Right. Um, so it may cause you to have to either change the trajectory of your career or profession, or, you know, try to find something that is just more suitable and more flexible to what you need. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Everybody wants there to be this one direct side. answer. And it's not. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> never going to be a one size fits all with a lot of things that involve your children, because every situation is different, you know, even from moment to moment with these kids. Yeah. Otherwise, the placenta would be a handbook. I saw right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That would, that would be crazy. Okay. So I'm curious as to what is the most frequent question you get asked in your coaching business because I know for us it's often curriculum based in terms of, of course what should we use for this like, <clears throat> it, <throat> that is the million dollar question really and really? it is it is it is the million dollar question so much so that I created a whole workshop on that question because people were asking especially right before the pandemic hit saying, oh my gosh, I know you've been homeschooling forever and I can't send my kid to school. What curriculum do I purchase? How do I do it? Do you have a school? I was like, look, I don't have no school, <laughs> but I can give you some suggestions. So similarly to the employment question, can I work in homeschool? Um, the, the answer that I provide to that question is what curriculum is best? What curriculum is the greatest out there? What should I choose? And I just say, that depends on you and your student. And, you know, they hate when I put those questions back in their lap because it is never a one size fits all. The beauty of homeschooling is that you get to curtail your child's education based on what they need. And the myth is if I have multiple children in the same home, I'm going to use the same curriculum for all of them and they're just going to get it and they're going to like it. No. That is not always the case. <laughs> Similarly, so how you have the same amount of children in the home with the same two parents and the same values, and they all have very three distinct personalities, mm -hmm. their education is the same. So a few of the questions that I have to bounce back to parents is, well, what type of homeschooler are you? And then parents look at me like, what does that mean? Well, are you somebody who's very structured? 
Because if you're someone who's very structured, then yeah, you might do well with a box curriculum. Are you somebody who does not like a lot of screen time for your kids? Then you probably don't want to look at things that are online or computer app-based. Are you somebody who is child-centered, right? Where your child makes a decision. That's, that's not what we do in my home. I'll be clear. We are not a child-led uh, a family. We are a parent-led family. You do what I say, and I'm going to lay out the things as best as I can. I'm a model for you, integrity, character, all of those things, but we ain't let no children run nothing up in here. So, but no shade. If that's what you want to do, then you're going to want to look at some more um, unschooling type, you know, things, right? So you have, so it's not, it's never a one size fit all. You also want to know what type of models I tell parents, go back and study different models of education, because what we learned was just traditional. I mean, I, I didn't go to um, private school, colloquial school. I didn't go to any of those. I, I went to a regular old neighborhood school and I learned with traditional textbooks. Now, does that work for the majority of people? Sure. But there are also a handful of people that traditional won't work for. Right. Does your child do well with memorization? Right. Then you might want to look at a classical method. Does your child love to read? Oh, really? Then you might want to look at something like a Charlotte Mason type program. Mm -hmm. Does your child have ADD, ADHD, and all those other things that doctors are now prescribing out the wazoo and they, and they need to move? Then you might want to look at something that is Montessori based that has more kinesthetic type movement. They're not sitting at a desk with a worksheet. So when I throw all this back into the parent's lap, they get more overwhelmed, which is a good thing because I think being overwhelmed as you start your journey is a part of the journey. And then you get to sift through, you know, like a, like a sifter, let the stuff fall out that you don't need. And the things that remain are the things that you focus on. Then you have to look at their learning style. Do you have auditory learners? I, t I am not an auditory learner. If I ask you, where is so-and-so's house and you tell me go down the street make a left at the stop sign and go two more left I'm already lost I cannot visualize that I'm a visual learner so I need a map I need colors I need streets I need to see it so if you have a child that is a visual learner then you might want to look at traditional stuff you have a child that's more auditory then you might want to look at the classical method because they do things so much with rote memorization and songs and music so it really again it depends on you and your child. There is no perfect curriculum. There is no one best curriculum. I've been doing this a long time. I have not found any curriculum that I am a thousand percent satisfied with in all core subjects and in all specials. Right. You have to piecemeal the best together. Mm -hmm. And then the most eclectic of them all, you'll just peel, you know, you'll pick, oh, I like this little bit about the um, Charlotte Mason method. I like a little bit of this about the classical method. I like a little bit of this about the Montessori. And then you end up putting together your own piece. Um, but it is the million dollar question. And that long winded answer <laughs> is how I respond. And I end up giving the families some work to do because I'm not going to tell you what curriculum is best because I don't know your style. I don't know your child. Type A parents, type A personality parents <clears throat> are typically very structured and they do well um, with the box curriculum. They look at something that's preset. If you like to be told what to do, right? If you don't want to have to think, then go with the traditional Abeka, Bob Jones, things like that. But if you want to get in here and do your own, go, go look at the good and the beautiful. Go look at, you know, a couple other things so that you can kind of piecemeal your stuff together. So 
I hope that I hope that answers the question. <laughs> no, I agree because we often, you know, when we're answering that same question, we, you know, give a lot of that same response that you're giving. You know, it all depends on what works and what doesn't work. Right. You know, it's just like agreed. Some kids respond in discipline. Some will respond well to a stern talking to others need time out others need a hug some just right. need a moment to themselves you know absolutely it, you can't just you know have this one answer that's going to work for everybody mm. and i think that's the society we we are growing our kids are growing up and everything is instant gratification. Like yeah, my kids can't uh, even wait for popcorn to be popped anymore. It takes too long. They'll eat cold food because they don't want to wait 45 seconds. They yeah. just, everybody wants everything instant and it just doesn't work that way. If you want to be successful, it's not going to work that way. Yeah, I agree. Google has spoiled us. <laughs> Those results come back in nanoseconds. Yes. And you don't even want to wait for a web page to load after 10 <laughs> seconds. You're like, what? Oh, oh my god right exactly so I totally understand what you're saying it society is moving at a pace that really it just doesn't feel sustainable you know I can see how a lot of folk are going to fall through the cracks and just not have some pretty basic life skills over this I got to get it now. I got to do it now. How fast, how fast, how fast. So I, I'm with you all yeah. the way. Now, I do want to know, as you said, you have um, your oldest is in high school. Yes. So what, what suggestions do you have as the, they age up? Because I know it seems to be quite different you know once the math starts shifting <laughs> the, you know expectations of language arts are more than you know spelling and vocabulary right how how do you navigate that shift into the older grades and more uh, I guess I'll say intense yeah academics what what my family did is we researched and looked for a tutorial that had buzzwords like rigorous academic, rigorous this. Um, and after doing some research, um, finding one that, you know, we went to an open house and kind of listened. And I said, okay. And so it was something that I felt that was similar to what they would be getting in a traditional school environment as far as the workload. Um, you have four different teachers for these four core subjects. And each one of them have their own syllabi and you have assignments and you must submit them in Google Classroom. And, you know, it was, that was how we found keeping our kids competitive with the average, you know, schooler in the neighborhood. Um, and it wasn't until, like, you know, as a parent, homeschool parent, like, you know, your kids are smart, right? You do, like, it's, it, it goes without saying. But sometimes doubt is in there a little bit and you be like, God, does he know this? <laughs> like, if he takes the standardized test, is he going to know this? So when my daughter, the arrangement that my husband and I came up with with her, because she came to us and said, 
um, can I go to a regular school? And I'm like, what do you mean regular school? You are in regular school. You are learning just like everybody else. Well, can I go to a public school? And so, you know, we inquired with her. Of course, we've trained her to have these very Socratic and dialectic discussions to present her case and don't just come and tell me because I want to. That's mm-hmm. not a valid argument. So she began to tell me and some of the things that she brought up was, well, you know, I want to be with my peers. I'm with my siblings all day. And even when I do go to tutorials, it's like for a couple of hours. So I'm not really able to make like long lasting friendships because we've always homeschooled. So they never had the, the um, e- example of like the neighborhood kids on the bus even if they started there and then came home, they just never had it. So we listened to her and I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. You can look for some specialty programs. We'll help you look for some specialty programs in the county and we can do those. And once she saw like, okay, so I actually thought it was going to deter her (laughs) from it because I wanted her to say, I wanted to say I homeschooled through high school. I wanted that to be my story, but it's not my story and I'm over it. Um, So she had to write essays, she had to get teacher letters of recommendation, and she had to take what's called the PSAT 8-9. So we took the PSAT 10 while we were in 10th grade, and then of course the real SAT. So now they offer a lower version to 8th and 9th graders in in our county, I think it's all of um, the state, um, to measure college readiness. And so I'm like, okay, so now we have to get on Khan Academy, now we got to create an account on College Board, and now you have to study. You have to study for this test because if you don't pass this test, you might not get in. And of course, you know, she blew the test out the water and got accepted. <laughs> it wasn't a big thing, but it was at that moment, you need those reassuring moments along the way. Um, you know, when your kids are in traditional school, they get report cards. That's your way to measure, even though me as a personal homeschool, I know grades don't measure um, mastery. Right. And so we didn't really focus heavily on grades. Um, so it wasn't until she got to ninth grade and she got like her progress report and she's like, they grade everything you turn in. And I was like, That's yes, they grade everything you turn in, honey. Sorry, mommy forgot to tell you that, you know, my bad. I would just put like a check plus. Okay. You did it. You know, and, and because I knew where her weaknesses were, so it wasn't an issue. Um, but once she was able to do that, I saw like, she has a 4.3 GPA both years. She's at the end of her 10th grade year. She is competing with the best of them and I didn't do anything extra. So well, with my son, that's what, awesome. I, what I learned with, thank you. What I learned with my son, he naturally had a, a, a greater bandwidth of math um, than my oldest did. So that's why we sought out the homeschool rigorous tutorial for him in his middle school years, something that could push him. Now, my husband is, I mean, he went all the way up to calculus three, so he could help him. But because my husband is working a nine to five, I couldn't be like, okay, and come home and teach him all this math at the same time. Yeah, you can come home and check homework. So for him, we found that program was was good for him because it taught him to be a little more independent. It taught him some resilience. There were a couple of assignments that he failed. And the mom in homeschool in me wanted to go in there and fix that grade. But I said, nope, he needs to learn when you don't do what you're supposed to do. Mommy is not going to always be your teacher. And you're not going to always have a friend of mommy who's your teacher. So when they get to those um, higher levels, I tell parents, don't freak out. You don't need to know applied uh, uh, mathematics to homeschool your kids if Mm. that's what their interest is. That is the beauty of outsourcing. That is the beauty of finding other programs that could 
um, meet those needs of your child. You don't have to be the subject matter expert in everything from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade. And that's one of the big myths that I love to just bust right at the, you know, at the head of it, because people think, well, I wasn't good in math. And if you're not careful, you'll put those projections on your own children. They'll begin to have this fear of math and this fear of writing and this fear of science, because that was your issue. Mm -hmm. You have to be real careful, but looking for rigorous programs, looking for outsourcing um, that will help them stay competitive as they start to move up. If they decide to, you know, not want to be homeschooled through high school, even getting into college. Um, but homeschooling through high school is possible. I know people that have done it. I'm celebrating with friends this week who have high schoolers that are graduating from homeschool. So it really just depends. And we, my husband and I said we would do this one year at a time. And when it no longer serves our family's needs, we would look at other options. And when our daughter came to us and said, hey, this is what I want to do. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> we will look at these programs for you. And I mean, she's excelling and doing exceptionally well. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that, you know, she was able to voice her, advocate for herself. And she did. You know, we taught her too well. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad she's doing well. I mean, that's amazing. It sounds like she is on track to have a wonderfully sponsored college education if she wants to. Well, she's getting it sponsored now. She's in a dual, she was in a dual enrollment high school. Great. And it started in the ninth grade. You know, most dual enrollments don't let you start till 10th grade. So when she graduates high school in two years, she's also graduating with her associate. So it is, um, it's a very, and that's a very rigorous program, but she's handling it. Oh, that is beautiful. Nuggets for real, for real. (laughs) I mean, let's be for real. It's, it's a major burden and having gone for myself, having gone through undergrad and grad, it's a major burden and, you know, FAFSA and Fed loans and all this other stuff is a bear. And so to be able to, you know, mitigate those costs on the front end is absolutely commendable and amazing. It is. That being said, I do want to ask, do we have plans for, um, for college activity? Are we, um, kind of, I guess I'm asking, what's your take on the whole college experience is it something that you think is um necessary or something that you know you want to leave up to them once they get uh, get to that point where yeah you know i think i'd rather do maybe technical education vocational excuse me education or or i want to be in business for myself or so i i'll say you know, up until I think the kids were probably in middle school, I probably was like, yes, that's what you're doing. You're going to college next. Absolutely. There is no question about it. Um, Because that's what I did. That's what my husband did. Right. And that's what we expected them to do. However, um, (laughs) you know, now realizing that you have to have a certain level of discipline and motivation Mm -hmm. to be away from your um, primary source of guardianship, to get to class on time, to do your work, to take ownership of it. And just to be quite frankly honest, if you know 
that's not your child's thing, don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. Let them figure out a trade. Let them figure out something else. You know, everybody's path to career is not college. And I think the the older they're getting, having more programs that talk about college and career readiness, exposing them to different um career pathways to maybe spark an interest. You know, you don't necessarily have to have a college degree if you want to run a business, if you want to be an entrepreneur. However, you might want to take a couple of business courses so that you understand how to run your business, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there's always this formal education push where, you know, it's an instructor, professor, there's some kind of certificate of completion, whether it's a degree, diploma, what have you, but there's also informal education and non-formal education where you're lifelong, life learning things, like, you know, lifelong learners. So I would say up until recently, I was on that, okay, I think, yeah, you should go to college. Now, if they, if my children come to me and say they don't want to go to college or they want a gap year, we have to have a plan. Because what we're not going to do is you're not going to sit up in here and just waste a year away. <laughs> so whether it is we're going to get an internship or we're going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of pushing my kids to the military. I know that's what our parents did. You either get a job or you go to the military. That's not really my forte. You know, thank you for those who serve my brothers in the military. You know, God bless y'all. However, you got to do something. You have to have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, if you don't possess a plan, then you are subjecting yourself to me and dad's plan. And you might not like what dad and I have planned for you. So it would behoove you to get a plan with some measurable objectives that we can help you track to put you on a path to where it is and you know launch you to where you want to be. So I do not believe that everyone's path to career and um, a well-meaning job or whatever or business is through college. I used to, but I don't anymore. Okay. The evolution of a parent. Evolution. You got to keep changing because they don't come with no handbook. I'm saying <laughs> nothing stays the same. Right. Well, me, can I also ask if your, your state has any oversight over homeschooling? I'm curious because you have, you have a more structured setup, it sounds like, and so I'm wondering, do you have, is this because, not necessarily that you wouldn't do this if you weren't being, you know, looked at, but is it more important to you to have that approach because of oversight or is that truly just organically the way? It, it is me. I am, I am the type A person. So oh. I am a just naturally highly organized, highly structured. That is just who I am. Um, And I have friends who are the complete opposite and they still make it work. Um, So I think for me, it would, it would be this way, even if there was no oversight. However, my state's oversight is not, um, I don't think it's too cumbersome. I think they just want to see, you know, the, the laws in my state say regular and thorough instruction. So it doesn't say how many days you have to be there. We don't have to track attendance. Um, I, I guess that's really up to how you interpret what, what those regulations, you know, say. Um, But I feel like if you are doing the work as a homeschool parent, there is really nothing else to do but just to organize your material. You know, I I keep a portfolio because that's what my state requires. Um, If my state didn't require it for elementary and middle, I probably wouldn't keep a portfolio because it's elementary and middle. However, when you go into 
eighth grade and, and on up to high school, you're going to want to track and keep a portfolio because if you're homeschooling through high school, the, the burden of proof is now on you. It's not on the school system to right. show they've met these credits. So you would want to do this in your best interest and your child's best interest that you get that done. Um, you have to keep, like if you're outsourcing, you have to keep copies of the syllabus because they need to uh, be thoroughly researched to make sure that that meets what your state says for high school credit, you know, social studies or high school credit science. You know, you can't do five dissections on out school and say, I met my high school science credit. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a level of organization, particularly when it comes to the high school level that parents are going to have to have. And I'll be honest, if you don't have it and you can't outsource it, go find them kids in another umbrella program. Don't try to take that on <laughs> yourself. Find you an umbrella program if that's what your state allows you to do, because you can you can do it two ways here where you can do your own portfolio and you report directly to the county or you come under an umbrella school, which is a certified bona fide school that's approved to um, regulate homeschool portfolios. Um, but if you're not that person, if you are like type CD personality <laughs> and, they, and they're in high school, I'm going to just save you a lot of headache. Just go under an umbrella program or outsource that service to somebody else to keep track of that stuff. Because it can be a lot. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a lot like our state. We have that option as well. Either you go underneath somebody or you report to the state and they right. want that proof. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, some reviewers are a little more, uh, I don't want to say thorough, but a little. They, yeah. got a, they got a bone to pick. You know, they yeah. don't like homeschoolers. They, they're priding themselves as an educator. Like we're not. Anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to get on that soapbox, but what I, don't I, really when I coach parents, it. parents who come to me and say, Hey, I need help. And they, you know, take my workshops. What I coach parents, you take control of your portfolio session. Don't let them ask you questions. You go present. This is what we did this semester. This is the curriculum we use. This is how we did subject integration. If you take ownership of your session with them, it, it's less likely of them to be like, well, what did you do for this? Right. So I tell parents, you know, dates are important. Even though you may not date your work, you better date it before you go on that portfolio yeah. review. You <laughs> may not right. you may not agree with grades, <laughs> but you better put some kind of parent communication, a check plus, a smiley yeah. face, good job, well done you better put something on it to show there's some kind of communication. And for your core subjects, I tell parents, you want to have 10 to 12. That's just a, it's probably more than enough, but just so that it's not, um, they're not asking you for additional. And so when it comes mm -hmm. to language arts, I help parents understand language arts is a few different subjects is writing, spelling, and is grammar. So right. you want to have pieces of paper to show of each of those things. Don't give them five things of just all writing because that's not all language arts, right? So you want to show some assessments, even if you're not grading it, you want to show those things. And then if you're techie or traditional, it doesn't matter. Now in my state, you can do yours strictly um, electronic. And I'm telling you, that is my best friend. I don't got to talk to nobody. <laughs> I don't have to see you. I can put all my stuff in Google Drive, share the link with the homeschool office. Boom, boom, boom. We are done. So, but when I started, yep, I was the parent had walked in there with three binders right? yes, me and, had, too. and had the subject dividers, you know, the dividers for each subject, the state said we report on, I had pictures of them. And I tell parents, you are a mom with children. You have a thousand and one pictures in your phone already, already. So when they go to your friend's birthday party and they swimming, take a picture. That's PE. When they go to right. the playground, they're rock climbing, take a picture. When you go to grandma's 85th birthday bowling party, take a picture. 
though when they're making a snack, helping you cook, helping in the garden, doing yard work, all of those things are the informal part of learning that right. go into your specials, right? They play a music. You go to a place of worship, get them behind a keyboard, get them behind a mic, Jesus, snap some pictures. <laughs> they do that stuff anyway. So right. find ways to make your life easier. Not like, oh, I got to find a seven week music program for them to do. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Get them a tin whistle from the Dollar Tree. Play Mary Had a Little Lamb three or four times. Boom. We have covered music for this month. That's it. That's all you need. So I think parents, sometimes they get a little afraid. Um, and I've had a couple of parents come back and say, I was so worried, but you really helped prepare me like that. That I get my passion out of making sure parents feel equipped in their homeschool journey, especially when they're starting out. And my job is meet with you a couple of times, get you through your first year. And you don't need me no more for that piece. You may call me for other stuff, but you won't need me again for the portfolio because you're so prepared and you're so ready that you're now, you know, training other people. So I do, I really enjoy it. But parents just listen, y'all don't have to to stress out. Don't stress out. You don't want to do it. Go under an umbrella. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's not. Well, as we're wrapping up, you have given us a lot to think about. You've given us a lot of excellent information and I am certain that you have been a major help <laughs> some I try look I try <laughs> at wit's end because we're getting to that part of the year where it's review time <laughs> in my state anyway and I've seen a lot of parents wigging out I don't know what I'm supposed to do I was non-compliant last time because I didn't have x y and z and all these things and I really do hope that you have um helped a lot of our audience to you know realize that it doesn't have to be so difficult and though it is all on you it's not all on you you can reach out and create this community so do you have any extra tips or on um anything homeschool or parenting that you feel would be helpful that I should have asked but I didn't ask (laughs) (laughs) um I think my closing um piece of advice is that if you're new to homeschooling just take a deep breath Take that first year. Don't put any expectations on yourself. Just take a minute to just kind of deprogram yourself for what you think education looks like. Mm. It's not a worksheet. I can't tell you how many. I don't have enough worksheet. Education is not a worksheet. I know that's how we've been conditioned, but just take that first year and just go easy on yourself. And remember, you taught your children how to eat, how to walk, how to use a spoon, how to drink from a cup, how to wash clothes, how to make their bed, how to grocery shop, how to budget education is no different. You're already teaching them the things that they need for life and living. So why not just have, (laughs) take a moment to say, Hey, I think I can do this. And there, you know, there are people out here that are willing to help. There are programs out here that you can outsource that can take that burden off of you as you begin to learn and do research. Being overwhelmed in the research, that is a part of your starting journey, like your feet on the starting blocks. If you're a track star, That is a part of the journey, the complete like, oh, my God, is so much information. Yes, that's exactly where we want you. We want you filled with information. Then you can decipher what you like and what you don't like. And guess what? You can try something. And if it doesn't work out, you can try something else. (laughs) You're not married to it. 
sell that curriculum on eBay and keep moving and find something else. So I hope this helps guys. Oh, it did so much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you again. I'm going to ask for where our listeners can find you if they are in need of some coaching, if they are in need <laughs> of some support, if they just want to catch your quick tips on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other um, social media platforms, would you be so kind as to let us know where we can find you? Absolutely. The first thing I can say, you guys, I'm, I'm not a millennial, so I'm, I'm doing better with social media, but you can always go directly to my website first, which is www.sheschools with an S, sheschools.com. That's where I list all of my content, um, any workshops, any trainings, any things that I'm um, a part of. Um, in the fall, I'm going to be actually doing some online tutorial classes. I've been doing them for another tutorial, but now I'm just going to be doing them um, for myself. Um, so if you have students from the ages of third to sixth grade who need core content help, you can check that out. You can also um, check me out on Facebook. Um, the business page is She Schools, and I'm also She Schools on Instagram. I had my daughter help me with that. She's like, you got to be the same name across all of the things. You can't be like She Schools one. So it's She Schools on Facebook, She Schools on Instagram, and the website again is www.sheschools. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, it has been a pleasure, a blast. And we hope that we'll be able to speak with you again. I'm not going to lie. I'm really interested in this whole dual enrollment thing because it's an excellent option that seems to have really become quite popular. Absolutely. I will be happy to come back and talk about that. visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.